Who is Jesus? Uh, I got to tell you, I'm excited. Tomorrow the eclipse. <laughs> really, I'm excited. Forget all the nonsense about crowds and all that stuff. And the even bigger nonsense, or hopefully nonsense, about all the prophets of doom, about the eclipse tomorrow. Uh, just to think, tomorrow, right here in our hometowns, the moon is going to get in the way and block out the sun completely. Now, I'm a nerd. You know this. Do you know how big the moon is? It's about a quarter of the size of the earth, the diameter. It's about a quarter of that size. Do you know how much bigger the sun is than the moon? 400 times. The diameter of the moon times 400 is the diameter of the sun. You know, I, I was looking at some videos to get the perspective of the size. The, the earth was the size of a soccer ball. The moon was the size of a tennis ball. And the sun was the size of the house. And showing it in perspective, the, difference, the distance between the sun and the moon is like this. And the diameter of the sun is bigger than that. That's how big the sun is. Now, why does this fascinate me so much? Because the moon is the exact right size to be able to completely block out the sun. Isn't that amazing? Do you know if the moon wasn't where the moon is, the moon wouldn't be the right size to block out the sun? If it was farther away, it wouldn't block it out. We'd never have this total eclipse. But we get to have a total eclipse. I am so grateful for randomness and just chance that could produce a moon that's just the exact right size and the exact right distance from the earth to block out the sun. Or as I like to call it, God. God's amazing, isn't he? Design, it's everywhere. So here's this eclipse coming. And it's a big deal. It is a big deal. When's the last time you saw a full eclipse of the sun? Maybe some of you have seen one in your lifetime. I've not. Not seen one. Haven't been where one is. They happen routinely. Not frequently, but routinely. This one is going to start somewhere in the Pacific Ocean and end somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. And its path is clear across the United States. Completely covering it. That's just amazing to me. Last time that happened was like 1700s. So, it's kind of a big deal and I'm excited. I really am. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, I know. It'll probably be the shortest two minutes and 30 seconds of my life. But it's tomorrow and I can't wait. And I think it's a big deal. Now, will the world end? We can only hope. <laughs> right? I mean, are you afraid of that? Really? Because what I want is for Jesus to come back and we all go to be with him. And if that takes an eclipse, bring it on. Heck yeah, we won't have to clean up the mess. We can just leave. I'm ready. Ready to go. So if that's tomorrow, so be it, right? Is it? I don't know. I'm a skeptic of all these predictions. I don't. I just don't go with that. If you do, that's fine. Good for you. But what are we talking about today? The eclipse. And it's a big deal. And it's probably the biggest deal in our area 
of big deals. Is there a bigger deal than the one that's going to happen tomorrow? I don't know what it is. You know, that affects all of us like this? Yeah, the Halloween parade's a big deal here, and, you know, other things, the suspense, the 150-year anniversary, that was a big deal. There's a lot of big deals, but this is a kind of a big deal, and I'm excited about it. And quite frankly, I could only hope that the highways are blocked with people that have come to see it. It's three minutes of your life. You can deal with it, okay? So breathe in, breathe out. Tuesday's coming. It'd be all right. <laughs> What's it have to do with Jesus? The moon is the right size to eclipse Jesus, or eclipse the sun. The moon can eclipse the sun. But there's nothing that can eclipse the sun. Jesus. Nothing can eclipse Jesus. And that's what I love talking about, who is Jesus. And we've talked about these and gone through these. And I hope that these aren't just words on a, on a page. I hope as you look at these things and see who Jesus is, that you say, Amen, that's who Jesus is. I know that. Let me tell you a story about when Jesus was playful with me. Let me tell you about a time when he was true. Let me tell you about a time Jesus invited me. You know, so stories, yes. History, yes. But these things are supposed to be reflected in your life because Jesus is alive today. He's not dead. He's alive. Every bit as much as he ever was alive, he's alive. And he's living with you. And he wants to live with you. He wants to be one with you. So as we get into this this morning, here's a really long one. In the past, this is Hebrews chapter 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. God spoke through the prophets. Then God spoke through God. The creator, the author of the story, steps into the story. Isn't that incredible? Here he is, God, spoken to us by his Son. God of all creation came to earth to speak to us. Now, that his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. I know words are hard. All things. All things. Everything. He's heir. What's it mean to be heir? It all belongs to him. It's his. Everything belongs to Jesus. He's the appointed heir. And through him who also he made the and through whom also he made the universe. So Jesus is the one that spoke to us. He's the word. He's the one that's the heir of all things. And Jesus is the one who created the universe. He's the creator. The Son is the radiance of God's glory. And the exact representation of his being. They tell me. If you look at the sun before the eclipse is full, that you'll turn into a pillar of salt. So be careful. Wear your glasses. Seriously, wear your glasses. Don't burn your eyeballs. The radiance of God's glory. The reason is the sun's radiance is going to slip out of past the moon for a while. And, and when it's happening, that light that is the radiance of the sun is as bright as the sun ever is. Why don't we stand and look at the sun during the daytime? 
Because we can't, right? It hurts, it burns our eyes, they have to dilate and shut down. When it's partial, our eyes won't dilate, but that light will still be as bright, like looking at a weld. So it'll burn your eyes. Jesus is the exact, he's the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. If you have seen Jesus the Son, you have seen the Father. He's the exact representation of God, Jesus, in bodily form. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. When Jesus speaks, things are sustained. When He says, be still, like He said last week, it's still. Jesus' Word. How did all this get here? He spoke. He spoke it into being. Jesus is the Word of God in John 1.1. 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus is the Word. By His powerful Word. And He had provided purification for sins. Thank God that God provided purification for our sins. Because we're not able to. I am not able to pay for your sins. I'm not able to pay for mine. It's insufficient. Jesus was sufficient. He provided purification for sins. And he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. On the throne. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Even today, people think angels are really powerful, incredible beings. And they are. Jesus is superior to the angels. By far. By the way, so are you. But Jesus is. So, Jesus, uh, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In Jesus, all the fullness of the deity, that's God, lives in bodily form. Everything about God lives in bodily form in Jesus Christ. When you see Jesus in a body, he's God in his fullness in that body. That blows me away. And that came to earth and dwelt among men. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. See, it's, it's really great. Superman is awesome, right? And Superman saves lots of people. But Superman never makes other men super. Jesus has the fullness of the deity and he makes you full. Incredible. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know you've been brought to fullness? What's that mean, being full? You don't lack anything. Our enemy would tell us that when you get this, then you can do that. But Jesus says you have everything you need right now. Therefore, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I lack nothing. I'm not waiting on anything. I've been made full. Because Jesus is the head over every power and authority. 
Why do we have power in the name of Jesus to pray and demand that Satan leave us? Because Jesus is over every head and authority. Over every power and authority, Jesus is the head. So, I believe in spiritual warfare. I believe there's a demon behind every bush. And I believe they have absolutely zero power and authority over me. In Jesus' name. So when somebody tells me they're under demonic attack, I say, that's easy. Let's deal with that and move on. There's much worse things. If a spirit of fear has come upon you, submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee. Bing, bing, bing. In the Exorcist movie from when I was a kid, heads are spinning and green vomits flying around and there's trauma and screaming and shouting. Makes for a great movie, but it's just totally unnecessary in demon with the, dealing with the evil spirits. By the power of Jesus' name, leave now. Done. Will they come back? Yeah, Jesus told the story about uh, kicking a demon out of somebody, and then seven more came back because the place was clean and empty. So will they come back? Very likely. If you don't fill that up with something. So my practice is... I send out the evil spirits away from me and I send them someplace. I send them to the feet of Jesus for judgment. And then I invite the Holy Spirit to fill that place back up. I don't want to leave any emptiness in me. That's my practice. But I do all that because Jesus is the head over every name and authority. He is the head over every power and authority. I'll get it right eventually. And then in Colossians 1, 15 through 20... The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Who is Jesus? I made a list. He's the image of the invisible God. He's the first over all creation. He created all things, heaven and earth, the visible and the invisible. He created thrones and powers and rulers and authorities. He created things through himself. He created things for himself. He is before all things. He holds all things together. Jesus is the head of the church, the firstborn among the dead. He has supremacy in all things, in everything. God is pleased with Jesus, and the fullness of God dwells in Jesus. Jesus reconciles all things to God. He's the maker of peace by his own blood. Jesus is supreme. He is over all. I tell everybody, I, it's my confession quickly to say, I'm a one-trick pony. The only trick I have is Jesus. 
I don't know what your problem is or what your issue is, but what I do know is the solution is Jesus because Jesus is above all things and in all things and through all things. He is supreme over everything. There's nothing that Jesus cannot do. Nothing he cannot solve. Nothing he cannot fix. Because he is over all things. So what's going on in your life today? What do you need? Jesus has that. He has the interpretation for your life. He has his life to give you. The forgiveness of sins. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. All of these things Jesus has to give you. Now, I don't know if you read passages like this very often. But I would encourage you. The whole thing, you know, we talked about a little bit ago about dealing with evil spirits. What's the first thing? Submit to God. Resist the devil. He will flee. Reading things like this, submitting to God. This is true truth right here. These things here in Colossians chapter 1 through half the whole book. But right here, these things that we read this morning, this is true truth. If you read this truth and declare this truth, it has an impact on you. It will fill up the places in you that need to be filled up. Not because they're words on a page, and not because of some magic formula, but because when you read this, what you're doing is worshiping Jesus, and you're declaring him to be God. And that has great power for you and in your life. So, you know, everybody's different, and I celebrate that because i got to be the king of different, right? I understand, like, the different worship music we sing and all that, and everybody has their favorites, and I'm glad. And a lot of times one of the knocks on some of the songs we sing is they say the same words over and over and over. And I get that. That gets boring. But how about next time you're saying the same word over and over and over? Why don't you think about what you're saying? Do you believe what you just said? And if you believe it, then say it again. Now do you believe what you said? Because if you don't believe it, maybe say it one more time. And I know, it's a different way of looking at it, maybe. But they used to say, <laughs> back to the old Jewish thing, when you wanted to get divorced, you had to say something three times to make it true. So, I divorced thee, I divorced thee, I divorced thee. They repeated things over and over to make it true. Repeating these words doesn't make them true, but they sure help me believe it. So I would encourage you, the things that you know to be true, say it again. Say it again. There's more power in it every time you say it. Now where I want to take you, some place that I refer to as holy ground. We get to take a peek into the future. And this is an amazing scene to me. Uh, it's in Revelation chapter 5. John says, I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, Who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Who can open it? Can you? Can you? Can you? No. Can I? No. Anybody? Can anybody open this? Verse 5. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, 
the root of David, has triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Jesus can. The lion of the tribe of Judah, he can open it. The root of David, he has triumphed. This person is described all the way from Genesis 1 to Revelation 21, 2, 3, however many, whatever. All through the book, Jesus is described. He's described here. The lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David. Oh boy. The lion. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain standing at the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lion of Judah looks like a dead lamb. There he stands. A a slain looking lamb at the center of the throne. Encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God set out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. So many times as we read Revelation there's so many weird things in there that we forget what we really are reading. What we're reading here is here's a picture in heaven and the throne is in the center and everything is surrounding the throne and there's a scroll that needs to be opened and nobody in heaven and earth is fit to open the scroll except Jesus. Jesus is fit to open the scroll. The Lion of Judah, the sacrificial lamb, the lamb who looks dead but is full of power. Seven horns, seven eyes, seven spirits. It's all power. He sees all things. He knows all things. He's like the magnific- Karnak the Magnificent, except he's real. And there in the center of everything is Jesus. And Jesus walks up and says, I'll open the scroll. I can do that. <laughs> and when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. They're on the ground. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. So here these 24 elders had a harp and a bowl. Jesus takes the scroll and now they're all laying on the ground with their harps and their bowls of incense, which by the way are your prayers. And then they sing a song, a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. The, the four living creatures and the 24 elders start singing about Jesus and how he is worthy to open it. Why was he worthy? Because he was slain. Isn't this crazy? God, the creator of the universe, in order to save and protect the creation that he made, gave of himself to be the sacrifice needed to save us. Why did he need to save us? Well, 
He didn't have to. We needed it. Why did we need it? Because even though we're created by a loving God, each one of us has turned away from that loving God and done our own thing. (laughs) We, in our magnificent smallness, said to the creator of all things, I got this, leave me alone. And God, who loves us so much that he gives us the ability to say that, that's free will. God lets us reject him. For those of you that have kids, is there anything harder than to let your kids reject you? You're stupid, Dad. You don't know anything. I know. That's the way God is towards us. He loves us enough to let us walk away from him. But he loves us enough to provide a way that we can get back. He purchased us. Now who did he purchase it for? Every tribe, language, people, and nation. I got a rabbit trail to run for a minute with you. I'm not a racist. You know how I know I'm not a racist? I don't even believe in race. Tribe, language, people, nation? Yeah, I believe in that. Races? You know where races come from? Evolution. Five races. Why five races? Because there's five different groups of people that look alike, have similar traits. Why races? Because this race is better than this race. Because this race came from a higher class of monkey than this race. Right? That's the truth about races and racism. What was the big thing about Hitler? He wanted to create the perfect race. Did you hear Iceland, Sweden? I forget. Like I said, I don't watch the news. They're eliminating, they've eliminated Down syndrome in that country? Iceland. Iceland, thank you. They've eliminated it. You know how? They abort all the babies that have it. Yeah, isn't that awesome? Guess how they could eliminate weird old white guys? Abort us before we're born. Cleanse the whole world, right? What do you think Planned Parenthood's for? Sorry. My right wing got to flapping. I don't believe in races. And there's no reason to hate anybody. Period. Ever. I don't care what they've done to you or done to your family or what you think you've heard they've done or where they live or what kind of food they eat or the way they dress or the way they talk. There's absolutely no reason to hate anyone ever. How do you overcome evil? Good is how you overcome evil. Good, not evil. Not intentions of harm to someone. You overcome evil with good. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Right? Every tribe, language, nation. Look, when you go to the hospital and you need blood transfusion, they give you human blood. Because you have human blood. And, all right, I really like to annoy the people at the hospital because they always ask this. 
which I, I laugh at them and mock them over it. <clears throat> but the poor woman asking me, she didn't fill out the form, she didn't make it, so I give up. But they always want to know, what's my race? And you know what I tell them? Human. I'm human race. And the funniest thing is, and I got to get back to this, get off this rabbit trail, but I do, I write computer software that does genetic testing to know how you metabolize drugs. So we take a mouse swab and we get your DNA, and from your DNA, we know which genes you have, and then based on the genes you have, it says whether you are a fast metabolizer or a slow metabolizer of certain drugs. That's what I do for work, for pay. Now, the most ironic thing about this to me, all of the labs that we deal with, on their form, they ask you what race you are. Now, I do mock these people because I work with them. So you're telling me that you're going to let somebody tell you what race they are and that's going to determine their genetic outcome? They say, yeah, because your race will... I said, well then, shouldn't you determine that from the DNA you collected? Because if we've learned anything from genealogy.com, it's that you thought you were Irish and you ended up being Swedish. <laughs> so I submit to you, if you have studied your ancestry, you don't have a clue what, quote, race you are. <laughs> you sure can't tell by looking. Because I have two parents, and four grandparents, and eight greats, and 16, and 32, and 64, 128, 256, 512, 1024. Which one of those am I? <laughs> Only went back six generations, and I got a thousand people to pick from. Right. So you don't know what your DNA is unless you get it tested. But you are part of every tribe, language, people, and nation. That's who you are. And Jesus died for you, and he died for everyone else that is any kind of a tribe, language, people, or nation. And he made us be a kingdom. He brought all these people who are so different and brought us together. That's the kingdom of heaven. Isn't it incredible? Alright, back to Revelations. Then I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand, which is a hundred billion, they encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. And in a loud voice they were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. The four creatures and the 24 elders had fallen down and they were singing. Next ring out, 100 billion angels. <laughs> and they're in a loud voice. Now I don't know what you picture when you picture an angel. But one angel is capable of wiping out an army of 150,000 people. That's one. This is 100 billion of those. Do they look like cherubs? I don't know what they look like. Does it matter? They have extreme power. There's 100 billion of them. And they're saying in a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. You see what makes Jesus so special? Jesus is God in bodily form, who was crucified for me and you. That's what makes him so special. To receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, for we 
Who is this? I know, it's hard. Every creature. Humans, dogs, cats, horses, birds, snakes, carp, slugs, amoebas. Every creature in heaven, on earth, under the earth, on the sea, and all that is in them, saying, maybe Disney had it right, maybe they all can talk. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. When we're there and the Lamb takes that scroll to open it, every creature, every creature, every creature calls out to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. And the four living creatures said, Amen. And the elders fell down and worshipped. All of creation, everything in heaven and earth and under the earth and in the earth, in the sky heaven and in the third heaven, everything, everywhere, Jesus is in the center of that. And everything that has ever been made or ever was made or ever will be stands there and looks at the Lamb and says, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Nothing eclipses the sun. Nothing. Not me. Not you. Not your sin. Not your problems. Not your government, not your solar eclipse, not your cancer, not your divorce, not your children, not your brownies. Nothing eclipses the sun. Jesus is supreme above all things. (laughs) Jesus is supreme. Maybe there's a better word. I don't know. I always want to put pizza after that. (laughs) But Jesus is supreme. Right? And and the problem with that is I don't even like supreme pizza. It has peppers on it. But Jesus is supreme. Jesus is supreme over all things. There's nothing in this world that is better than Jesus. Now here's the... Here's the kicker. Jesus loves you. You. Little old you. He loves you. He desires to spend time with you. He has things he wants to speak to you. He has places he wants to lead you into. There are things in your broken heart shattered, not sad, that he wants to bind together and heal up so that you can have life to the full. This Jesus, who is over all things, (laughs) cares for you. And that blows me away. You know, it's nice to be liked by people, isn't it? We all like that. Everybody wants to be liked. And good for you. It is so much better to be loved by Jesus. 
to find your place in him about who you are and who he has made you to be. All the fullness of the deity lives in Jesus. And Jesus has made you full. And I'm telling you, that changes everything about you. It changes who you are. It changes what you say. It changes where you live. It changes where you work. It changes what you do. It changes why you're here. It changes your future. It changes everything about you for the better. It makes you complete and full in Jesus. Uh, we're going to close with another song. And it's kind of a response to this about who Jesus is. And the response is, so here I am, Jesus. Take my heart. It's yours. Uh, let's pray and then we'll...